All right, well, welcome everybody back to The Subliminal Show. Today, I have the honor of sitting down with Levi Lamejack. Uh, he is uh, a friend from my undergrad, and so we've been able to... I think the majority of our interactions was at uh, the coffee shop on campus. Um, <laughs> I was the, the local barista, and so had, had many interactions as, as Levi um, was getting his daily dose of coffee. Um, but what, who is Levi? What does he do? Uh, he does a lot, uh, kind of continuing with our, our theme of having creative individuals on the show. Uh, he does, creates a lot of music. Uh, he is an actor as well as been involved in theater for a good chunk of his life. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and he does a variety of things with the according, uh, audio technician. He has a podcast himself. Um, but a lot of a lot of things balls that you juggle in in the creative side of things uh is there anything else that i missed or no i think you i think you i think you covered it man i i kind of i run around with my head in a swivel so i just kind of have to <laughs> figure out what i'm doing at, at the right place at the right time yep yep and be able to be like right, i think i'm doing this right now yeah i need to put this hat on to be able in this mode yeah, I definitely, definitely feel that. Absolutely. Um, so let's just start with what are some of the creative projects that you're up to right now? Yeah, so um, I, I'm always just kind of, I'm a big dreamer. Um, fortunately, I, I have a huge, I have a hard time saying no. So uh, a lot of the things I, a lot of the things I do, there's some things, you know, that I do that I just can't, like, uh, I'm not able to sort of practice my own projects, but... We have a lot of um, a lot of big things in the works. Um, I'm working on two ginormous projects right now. Um, one of which is <clears throat> I have a passion for uh, uh, creative people, but also people who want to be creative who don't know, you know, which route they want to take or what or what they want to do. And and what what I'm working with right now is uh, getting an art collective um, out, rooted up into the, uh, specifically the South Bend community, but also um, surrounding areas and even up into Michigan and things like that. Um, it's, a, it's a collective that would, uh, that would be, that would involve visual artists, poets, uh, musicians, and anybody of the like really. Um, it's sort of something that focuses on collaboration, um, on uh, fellowship in the community, as well as uh, sort of getting the creative juices flowing. Um, there's an algorithm that I'm researching right now, which would actually pair an individual from each sort of set into, into one group. And based off of their interests, based off of their genres, based off of their styles, um, things like that. And then from there, they can work together um, to create something, whatever that is. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. That's really cool. I like that, being able to, to bring this community together to be able to work together on these creative projects. That's, that's awesome. That's been something that has been on my heart for a long time. And so it's really cool that... You, you're actually being able to to take those those practical steps and be able to, to form that group. Yeah. Um, uh, any other 
projects that you're working on? Any particular favorites? Of yours? Oh, for sure. Um, let's see. Yeah. Uh, right now I'm actually working, uh, I'm working on an, uh, another album. Um, this would feature, okay. it's actually sort of a story. So it'll be, you know, nine or 10 songs. It, it talks about, uh, my faith journey, um, sort of constructing, reconstructing, deconstructing, um, sort of, sort of what my faith is and what that means to me. Uh, and, and a lot of it is, I mean, some of these songs, like, you listen to them and you think, what? I mean, that is just dark. You know, like, I, want, I, I don't want there to be any sort of censorship in this next album. Um, I don't, I don't want to sugarcoat anything. I don't want to... Um, I don't want to make it easy listening only because I know that there are people out there who are going to relate to that and they're going to relate to the depth and the harsh reality of it right um and that was something that i know that when i was starting it i was like you know what i need that like um as a christian i think in the um in sort of like in sort of areas it's hard to sometimes like listen to something that you're like really you can really relate to and so i want i want my faith to be uh as real and open as possible, just so people can sort of relate to it and, and, uh, yeah. Yeah. Really engaging in that, that true raw experience right. and, and not wanting to, not wanting to sugarcoat things or, you know, pretend things are all easy going, but be able to just share what really happens. Absolutely. Um, That's incredible. and apart from that, you know, uh, I'm looking at getting the podcast, started up again uh eventually you know once okay. i get my actual equipment working <laughs> um <laughs> uh but uh i have a podcast called life in prison basically um i started it that was kind of my covid project basically i interviewed people from all over the uh the prison system so that was former inmates current inmates um officers activists uh, families who believe that their loved one was wrongfully convicted, um, organizations. There's about, I think, eight or nine episodes right now. Uh, and we're looking at getting that, getting that going again. And I kind of want to, I want it to be different. I want to make it a little more organized than last time. Um, cause I know a lot more, uh, than what I used to. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah the, the link to the podcast will definitely be available. Great. Um, yeah, I, had, I, was, I was nervous for most of it just because <laughs> we had my, my second episode. Actually, this is really funny. Um, I was like, I was like, who, who can I get to be on the show? I don't, I don't know any of these people. And I mean, we had some heavy hitters on there. Like the second episode I had um, a participant from the show 60 Days In. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of that. It's on Netflix, Hulu. Uh, his name is Quentin. He was wonderful. He was very easy to talk to. Um, but it was like, wow, this is the second episode. I'm already having these people. Uh, and then I had, I had uh, an activist who, um, I had an activist on the show who like worked with uh, Mayor de Blasio in New York City to pass 
to pass some um, uh, to, to pass a bill basically uh, making solitary confinement uh, more humane, which it's not humane anyways, yeah. but you get what I'm yeah. saying? Like <laughs> yeah, yeah. sort of, sort of uh, giving inmates some rights. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah. And that was passed. So it was just great. It was a great experience. And uh, I met a lot of great people and now I know even more people in that, in that field. So I can't wow. wait to, to get started back yeah. on that. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, uh, we'll we'll get into a little bit more of your your passion for the prison system here in a bit, Great. but um, but yeah, it's, it's it's exciting to hear what you're excited about, and and I think that's definitely an area that a lot of people can tend to dismiss, and it's not a lot of areas that that people talk about. And so I'm glad that I'm glad that someone is and someone's creating that space for it. Thanks, man. Yeah. So. Um, what are, if you think kind of in, in general, but what, what are some of the, the things that you've been able to learn through your creative projects? I've learned, like I said, I, I sort of touched on this earlier, but I, I learned how to relate to people, um, especially in this day and age, like, like creativity is something that we all have. Um, but unfortunately, there are, there are forces and there are people who, kind of they don't they don't see that they don't necessarily believe it about themselves and i think the one thing that i've learned is you have to be creative to be creative you know what i mean does that make sense yeah yeah it it sounds sort of silly when you say it like that but um being creative like and and putting out projects and things like that it, it comes with a lot of mistakes and another thing i say uh, is that mistakes are essential. If we don't make mistakes, we're never going to learn and we're never going to grow. Um, and I think like creativity in a nutshell is thinking outside of the box. And, um, something that I, something that I've tended to fall into in the past is, okay, I want to do what this person is doing. I want to, uh, I want to create something that appeals to the people that this person appeals to. And I don't think there's anything wrong with um, taking inspiration. Uh, For example, one of my greatest um, musical inspirations is B.B. King, right? So when I hear B.B. King play guitar, I'm like, wow, I want to play just like him. Well, I'll never play just like him, right? There are things his fingers do that mine will never be able to. But what I can do is I can take some of those licks. I can take some of those um, those vocal runs. I can take some things that some styles that he did, and I can draw inspiration from it. But I've learned that if it's me doing it, and and I put the bulk of the work behind it, then it's mine. It's something that is unique to me. Like, even if I, even if I cover a song by whoever, um, I make it my own, right? Um, I encourage people to, I encourage people to, to make their own things. I encourage people to write their own songs, draw their own paintings, things like that. But learning from other people is, 
so essential in being creative. But to make it truly your own, you've got to be creative to be creative. <laughs> mm, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Absolutely. Maybe I spiraled. I don't know if that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that really does. Of um there there is a time and a place and and it's not necessarily being a a copycat or just you know doing things that someone else has already done because that in and of itself is a work of art and it's it's part of the learning process and and yeah the goal eventually is to you know create some level of originality and be able to do things that are unique and different um but there's always you need to start somewhere and why not a better a a good place to start is by imitating the people that you do enjoy and you do admire the people you do want to strive after um this was something that i mentioned uh, i think um i forget which episode it was but we were for some reason the conversation of like originality was brought up and and it was along the lines of like in many ways originality is is really hard to find because we always take inspirations from other people yeah, yeah. and we're always being inspired by others. And I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing at all. Right. I think that's a beautiful thing that we can learn and take and adapt from other people. It is. And there's a, um, I, forgive me, I can't think of his name right now, but there's a, there's a philosopher who touches on that subject completely. I mean, there are a lot of people who mm. say, you know what, Indiv individualism is much less individual than we think it is right mm, we're affected yeah. oh, we're yeah. affected by we're affected by our outside influences right the people that we grow up with we're affected by them whether negatively or positively now we can we can either a accept that or b we can rebel and uh and how do we rebel by surrounding ourselves with people that we want to be like <laughs> you know what i mean and so while there's well, I think there's beauty in individualism, at least in my, in my personal opinion, individualism, it, it isn't as individual as we think it is because, because we learn from people. And, and I think that's beautiful. I'm not saying that's a negative thing at all. I think there, I think that's what makes us unique is that we've had so many different experiences with different people in different circumstances that the genetics don't line up you know what i mean um and i and i think that that's 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 wonderful now uh on the on the flip side of that like i like to for example i like to play guitar i'm not the only person in the world that likes to play guitar you know what i mean there's <laughs> yeah, nothing yeah. there's nothing about me like as a as an individual that that someone doesn't share right and i think that's i think that's beautiful that's how we find our people that's how we uh collaborate that's how we um that's how we uh, express opinions um and i think i think there's nothing wrong with that i'd like to say you know i'm the only person that's just like me <laughs> and to some extent yeah. like if you if you combine all my interests, you combine all of my mm -hmm. personality traits, yeah. all of my trauma, all of my everything. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, I'm the only person that has this these layers of things, right? Yeah. But yeah, I'm not the only person that's dealt with this. 
one thing. I'm not the only person that likes this one thing. And seeking those people, seeking those people out who share those interests and those hobbies and those things with you is one of the best parts of life. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. But also reaching the people yeah, who are different, you know? Yes. <laughs> yes, of course. Of course. Yeah. I think that's something we, we talk about. Uh, we, we've actually been able to have some several good conversations with guests on the show of, of the power of being able to relate and have relational collect, connections with other people. Absolutely. Like in many ways, and it seems to be a common census of like, that is the almost the most important thing we can do as individuals is have those relationships with other people. And through the, the differences and similarities, we can still create a bond and be able to say, you know what, we can, even though we may disagree and we may have, you know, differences, we can still meet on a common ground and the fact that, you know, at least we're both human. Yes, <laughs> you know? absolutely. So oh, yeah. that's good. That's, that's awesome. That's good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so kind of switching conversations a little bit, uh, kind of more pouring into your, your songwriting. Okay. Um, but you've had the, you've written several songs. You're in the process of writing, um, stuff for your new album. Um, could you just tell us a little bit about your inspiration for writing music? Yeah. Um, most of my, most of my music that I've ever written, uh, has all been about, um, not personal situations that I've, I've been in necessarily, but uh, my thought process throughout several. Um, I've written, if I'm being honest, I've written quite a few breakup songs. Um, <laughs> I've, written, uh, I've written some things about, um, you know, just being sad, being happy. I, I love writing about emotions and uh, I'm writing a song right now um, it's called mash. It's basically, uh, have you heard of, have you heard of the game mash Manson, mansions, apartments, shacks, houses, oh, yeah. that one we did kind of as a kid where we kind of picked out, mm -hmm. we picked out everything yep. that we wanted to do. And this is who we'd get married to. This is what we would live in. This is how many kids we would have. I just, that, that song, um, and I'm going to pull up the lyrics here just so, just to kind of refresh my memory. Um, that song that song was about how life uh, isn't necessarily what we make it. <laughs> there are there are um, there are things that there are outside forces that are constantly pushing us to to change courses. You know what I mean? And I think I think this song sort of speaks to that in a way that's like oh man, I had all these plans. Why, why is none of this coming to fruition? Like, why am I, why am I in this place where I was supposed to be here? Uh, and I use, I use MASH as kind of that example, right? Like, like there's a, there's a part that says, uh, let's see. This is a this is specifically about like a girl that I had a crush on when I was in middle school or whatever. I really don't remember her name. I know that sounds bad, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> whoever you are yes, listening, sir. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but uh, it says, "I never, I never could not once resist putting her name on that list. 
to give me hope of a far-off dream come true. I'd played the tape in my own mind, wishing I could come to find that I loved her and she loved me too. So basically, I what I did was with that game and with my dreams that I had, you know, about where I was going to end up, what I was going to do, I sort of made an idol out of it, you know? And the the problem were that the problem that lie that was underlying that I didn't know at the time was because things weren't going the way that I specifically mapped it out, I was being left disappointed 110% of the time. You know what I mean? Not just 100%, 110% because even when things weren't going bad, they still, they still weren't going good. They weren't going the way I wanted, you know? And um, I, I was just being left like completely disappointed, completely um, depressed even, just like, what am I doing, you know? Not knowing where I'm gonna end up and what I'm gonna do was always such a, um, it was, it was like such a heavy thing to, to, because, because I honestly, there were a lot of, there were a lot of things where I'm like, well, I don't want to end up here. That's what I know. I don't want to end up in jail. I don't want to end up, um, as I don't want to be an abusive parent. I don't want to, I don't want to be single for the rest of my life. And so I was making up these dreams to kind of compensate, um, for the fact that I don't know where my life is going to go. And so um, I wrote that song and it kind of just like, it was like, oh, I get it now. You know what I mean? I write these songs for me uh, and they kind of help me process what I'm going through. They kind of help me um, deal with some of the, the battles that I face in, in my mental health and in just everyday life. And it's, it's been such a blessing to be able to, to write you know, to be able to feel like I can do that. Yeah. So in many ways, it's almost a, um, a self, um, a, a way to promote your own mental health yeah. of being able to refocus and recenter and almost take a step back and be like, Oh, I think I am starting to understand, you know, what's going on. Exactly. Exactly. Um, another thing, there was there was a there was a song that I wrote for the album uh, "Week of Weary" that I have out. Um, that's the one that's already been published. I, I did that when I was in high school, so I've gotten a music degree since then. Um, so so uh, we're we're working on upping the production value and everything on this next one. But there's a song on there that I um, that I really liked called "The Gaslight," and that one. That one I'm doing an alternate version of uh, currently just because I, um, I I added to it and I made it a little better. But basically that one, it's it's sort of a, a, a it's it's a tie between my life uh, and history. So um, in the 1960s in Greenwich Village in New York City, there was this cafe called the Gaslight Cafe. Um, it was a bar. It was a it was a coffee shop. I think it was just a diner. It was just this place where um, a lot of musicians, artists, comedians, people, they flocked to in New York City. Bob Dylan was probably the biggest name to come out of that uh, cafe. Peter, Paul, and Mary, 
Jack Kerouac, Bill Cosby, um, <laughs> uh, you know, just just people like that who who became like such you know huge names, um, and it was a like for some people it was it was a really sad place because they were they were sort of smaller names who didn't get noticed as much. Um, there's a movie out about it actually called Inside Lewin Davis. It's a Coen Brothers film um, that Marcus Mumford from Mumford and Sons, he music directs. And uh, I wrote this song about a musician who, uh, who just was playing at this cafe and, and wasn't being fulfilled by, by that. Uh, and I think in my own life, I've definitely uh, felt that where I would, I would play a gig or I'd do something. And I was like, you know, I really don't think people are into it. And all of a sudden, like all these emotions and these thoughts come to my head, like, you're never going to be good enough. You're not going to. And so that was a, that was a way for me to process that is by, um, kind of writing a song where I'm like, oh, I can kind of put myself in that situation. But I also know that there are musicians and people all across the country and the world who feel like, who feel like they're not being seen. You know what I mean? So uh, that was, that was probably my favorite one in the last album. So, yeah. That's cool. Well, thank you for being willing to share that and offer some inside looks into into the writing process i always find it really exciting and, and interesting to you know figure out and, and learn how if musicians write write their music and where they get their inspiration from because um, almost as as unique as humans are they are able to create this very unique story yeah. and be able to write and, and tell about it and um i absolutely love that you've been able to transition that into song form and be able to do something that you enjoy doing yeah it's it's uh one of the biggest joys of my life hmm. yeah that's awesome do you mind just talking a little bit about kind of what what have you found being the most difficult obstacle in being creative uh that would be the blocks uh mm. i there was a period um within, within the, it was actually, it was during college, uh, my undergrad, where I didn't write a song for two years, two, three years. Um, and it was, I, I was, you know, I was in a very bad spot. Um, I was going through a lot of difficulties with, uh, just my mental health with, uh, depression, you know, a lot of outside influences. COVID was obviously not helpful. Um, and I just couldn't, I couldn't put my thoughts to paper. I couldn't, uh, I couldn't put anything down. And when I did, I hated it and I balled it up and I threw it away. And so I would say like, um, I, I think a lot of people, you know, when they struggle with mental health issues and they, and they try to write a song, it, it comes pretty naturally to them. And for me, it's, it's sometimes that way, but more often than not, it's not, I don't want to write when I'm sad. I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to have to put mental energy into rhyming something when I'm sad. And I've learned 
more recently that the only way I'm going to learn to write is by writing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. Um, sometimes I'll be laying in bed at four in the morning is usually when uh, the creative juices start to flow, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they say, oh, check out this hook or check out these lyrics. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, okay, I gotta write that down, blah, 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 blah. But throughout the day when I'm trying to be creative, it's like, why don't you just go back to bed? You know, why don't you just, <laughs> yeah. don't you just go get a cup of coffee, sit and people watch and not, not do anything. And uh, that's, that's been really difficult is, is the inconvenience of my mind <laughs> in more ways than one. My mind is my, your mind is your, can be your best friend or your worst enemy. And, uh, and unfortunately for several years, my mind was, you know, it was, it was not doing what it's supposed to. And I think, I think I'm finally seeing the other side of that. Um, at least when it comes to being creative. Yeah. So I, I feel, I feel like I'm actually able to, um, write some things down. I've written a few songs now. I don't, I'm also a perfectionist and very critical of myself. So a lot of these songs, I'm like, eh, they're okay, but <laughs> we can make them better. So sometimes for, yeah. for me, like what, what, what's supposed to be a two month project turns into a year project, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. I definitely get that for sure. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's hard when you have that, that self-critical mind of you want to, you, you know, you're excited and you're creative, but then you look at it and you're like, Oh, I'm not really happy with that. Yeah. And yeah. And yeah, it's a very, it's, it's a constant struggle. I don't know if we'll ever be, you know, there comes a time, honestly, and this is why, <laughs> yeah. this is why I have people review my work um, is because if I don't have someone else look at my work, I'm going to, I'm going to keep working on it, working on it, working on it, working on it, and it's never going to be finished. And so that, that's how I kind of deal with that is by taking it to someone else, someone I look up to and, and trust and say, Hey, um, what is your opinion of this? Be critical, but don't be as critical as me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and so there was a specific person that I had in mind that I used to take stuff like this to mostly on the, on the audio, you know, technical side of it. Um, his name is Stacy. He, he actually, he passed away, um, recently, but he was, he was, uh, <clears throat> he was a big, a big part of my life and, and sort of looking at those things and saying, okay, practically, this is what you should do. Um, creatively, I think this is great. Or there were times when he'd be like, I think that sucks. You know, he was never, he was never someone who sugarcoated anything. And that's what I loved about him. And, uh, so having people like that um, was really important in encouraging me, but also uh, driving me and motivating me to work hard. Because when I'm working, I'm working. But when I'm not working, I don't want to, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. so yep. the biggest step is starting. And then the second biggest step is finishing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I love that. I think it really speaks into the, like we were talking about before, the the power of people and connection. Yeah, absolutely. So, 
Well, first, thank you um, for being willing to share all that and uh, get into your story a little bit and, and open up a little bit about, you know, your process of songwriting, creativity, and um, and yeah, I appreciate you being willing to be be vulnerable. Um, it's a key to uh, relating with people. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. As a as a mental health therapist in training, I can I can I can vouch for that. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. So we're gonna go ahead and switch our conversation to kind of what we're we talked about in the beginning. Uh, kind of with your your passion and desire, um, just in your interest in the prison system. Um, and so if you could just start with kind of what's been your reason for this passion. Yeah. So um, unfortunately. Uh, the prison, the prison system has sort of been lingering in my life uh, for many years. Um, I've, I have a, I have a, uh, a family member who's been in and out of prison my whole life, um, and who's who's actually currently in prison, and I and I really care for him and I love him, and so for me, I was like, okay, how do I, you know, um, it was it was just sort of. It was something that I was like, I didn't know about. And so I saw it after it. Um, I got involved in high school. I was a, uh, I was working for the election board as a, a precinct committeeman for, for um, you know, local and, and state and federal elections. And the, I was a, you had to have, you had to have two Committeemen. One had to be a registered Republican, the other had to be a registered Democrat. Now, my I'll just say my politics don't really line up with either, and they line up with both at the same time. But um for for the sake of this story, I'll tell you that my that I was on the Democratic side of that. So my Republican counterpart. Uh, his name is uh, Steve Coaster. He's now a judge in the county that I grew up in. He was like, he's like a mentor to me. Like he's, he's absolutely wonderful. Before he was a judge, he was um, the chief county prosecutor for Madison County in Indiana. And he gave me a summer job. Um, basically what I did was I, I rewrite it. I rewrote job descriptions. And to do that, you have, you actually have to see what the job is, you know, and I was writing, um, I was writing job descriptions for correctional officers, uh, case managers, work release coordinators, supervisors, you know, everybody you can think of, kitchen staff, like all of it. And that required me to go on walkthroughs with them. That required me to, um, to watch them pass out meds and meals and, and things like that. Um, and so I did that and that actually led me to being a correctional officer for a year. Um, and man, that's a hard job. Um, during that job, I realized this system is designed for everybody to fail. Uh, and of course, I know people have different opinions, and I don't want to, um, I don't want to dig too much into that. But 
in my opinion, I was just like, you know, there's something wrong. There's something that we need to, to fix. And so I left that job very quickly. And, and this was at a point where this family member um, was still, you know, just kind of struggling in and out, uh, addicted to, to substances, um, things like that. And so I decided, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to look at this from a different perspective. I'm going to, um, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to find out from all sides what it is exactly and how we can perhaps look at making it better. I never considered myself to be an activist up until I realized, oh, I'm interviewing a lot of activists. (laughs) Mm. I'm talking to a lot of activists, (laughs) but and I'm also talking to a lot of um, a lot of former incarcerated individuals and just people who are on this are on the side of I want to make it better or, or get rid of it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so yeah, just just all of that combined, it just sort of gave me a passion for for uh, reaching out to people who were incarcerated, making them know that you know you're not alone. Um, you're a person and also just saying how can we how can we set something up that that is designed for people to succeed and and not to fail yeah yeah okay okay and so what are some of the biggest assumptions or mistakes that people tend to make about the prison system well this is kind of tongue-in-cheek but the biggest one is that people assume that it works Mm. Um, and, and I know that uh, people are a lot more educated about the prison system now than they were, you know, 20 years ago, but, uh, we're realizing more and more that when people are incarcerated, um, they're not caged for being animals, they're caged and then turned into animals. Um, and unfortunately that's a hard truth that we live in today, in my opinion, is just, I, I, uh. I interviewed a, uh, the guy who I was talking about earlier who set up that bill. His name is Five Mualim Ak, and he was in prison for 12 years, I think over five of which he spent in solitary confinement. And after, after 30 days, three months, he was hallucinating. He was, uh, his, his mind was just completely shattered and broken, and he became institutionalized very, very, very quickly. And once he was released, those those effects don't go away, and it doesn't necessarily make him a better person. Um, and like we were talking about earlier, but this is on the darker side of it, our surroundings affect us. And um, unfortunately for him, his surroundings were three brick walls and a metal door with a tiny, tiny little window. And uh, he still has nightmares. He's been out of he's been he's been out of prison for how many years? I don't even know. Probably more than than what he's been in. He's one of the biggest activists in New York City. But his um, his mind will never be what it once was because of a mistake he made. You know what I mean? Um, and I think I think that there are you know. There are another hard reality is that there are some people who we cannot have 
roaming the streets. You know what I mean? Um, and so what my goal was, was how do we, how do we deal with that? Cause you know, a lot of people asked me that they were like, well, well, yeah, I mean, like a lot of people are mistreated in prison, but what about like the serial killers and what about people like child molesters and, and, you know, rapists and things like that. And I'm like, you know, that, that's not a question someone could just answer. I mean, the prison system has been enveloped in our, in our culture and our society since the, almost the beginning of time, <laughs> biblically, yeah, you know what absolutely. I mean? Like, yeah, and, yeah. and, uh, and unfortunately we, we can't just, our Western thinking cannot, mm-hmm. cannot function. Yeah. How do we, you know, we're not going to hang people. We're not going to, we're not going to, you know, we're not going to do those things, but how do we, how do we deal with that? And that's, that's a lifelong quest. And I think that we can, I don't think we'll never, we'll ever be able to, we may be able to get it right sometime, but that's going to take generations at this point. But if, if we don't start, how will we finish? Um, and so, yes, the people's biggest mistakes that they make about it is just, it heals, it heals people. It, 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 uh, what's the word? It, um, rehabilitates them. And more often than not, most, I I can't think of specific numbers. Five, if you, if you ever interviewed five, which I would love to put you in contact with him, he would, he would give you numbers off the top. You know, he would just be like, boom, 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 boom. This is the percentage of males who are locked up right now. This is the percentage of people who are habitual reoffenders. And um and and I noticed even when when I was working in the in the system myself, I was like, oh, this guy's been here before. <laughs> you know what I mean? More often than not, people who end up in prison and in jail are are reoffenders, right? And so part of that takes part of that is personal responsibility. Um you commit a crime, do the crime, you know, do the time. And, but at the same time, it's like your punishment is supposed to rehabilitate you, but really it's just, it's uh, taking your rights away from you. So when you, when you leave, you go back out into the world, then you're just going to do the same thing again, especially especially for drug users. Um, like there are, you know, there are some people who make a mistake, they go to jail and then they're like, they get out and they're like, I will never do that again. Right. Um, but for, for drug users, right. A so easy to get drugs in prison, easier than a lot of people would think. Um, that and that has to do with a lot of the, a lot of things. It has to do with, and I know I'm kind of going on a rant, so you can that's cut right, me off at any time. Right. But uh, <laughs> but um, there's a lot of things that that go into that. That's corruption of officers. How are you training your officers? How are you how are you hiring your officers? I'll tell you, all of my training as a correctional officer on the job, mm-hmm. all of it. There was mm-hmm. paperwork I had to sign, stuff like that. Yeah. But most of my training was going in and doing it. Now, there were classes I had to take. I had to take CPR. I had to take defense tactics, which is interesting enough. It's where I learned how to fight. I, it was where I knew I could fight. I was like, oh, nice. But at the same time, it was like, what? Like, I'm not getting any sort of formal training. It's just on the job. Um, 
but there's a lot of things that go into that. And so a lot of these drug users, they're not getting the, the proper education to, um, to be supported after they leave prison. I think, I think, uh, leaving, you know, rehabilitating or, uh, reapplying yourself back into society is just as important, if not more important than rehabil than rehab itself, rehabilitation. And, uh, and like I said, it's just designed, it's designed for them to fail. And I, and I, I hate that that's the case, but. When you, when you talk about that, it reminds me, um, very similarly how the, the military handles discharges and, you know, their system to get soldiers reacclimated to, um, society is, um, again, lack of a better term and, uh, they don't. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and yeah. it's, and it's. Yeah, I really resense that and I sense that that passion in you. Like there needs to be something that needs to be put in place to help bridge this gap. Because yeah. there's such a there's such a big distance. And like you said, I, you know, you, I, I, you don't foresee these things happening overnight. It's things that it's going to take a long time to be able to, because it's so ingrained in our system and our society. And in many ways, what we as individuals expect from justice it just it needs to begin to shift yeah yeah and unfortunately like it there were there are cities that were built because of prisons believe it or not like there you know there's a there's a prison that's built and and um back in the day you know the man would go work at the prison and, and then his family would all move to this place and they would settle and literal cities were built off of a prison farm or, or, or a jail or whatever. And so that culture is ingrained in everything that they do. Um, and, and that needs to change. I, I don't know if it'll change in our lifetime, um, but we can make, we can make steps. And I, and that, and I think that's my contribution. Yeah, that's really cool. I'm glad that you've been able to, step into that place and, and be an advocate. Thank you. Yeah. I guess, uh, I guess we can, we'll wrap up with, with this question of the, what are some practical ways that people, uh, like me can help advocate for the prison system? First of all, education is, is super important. Um, educate, educate yourself. I mean, there's a, there's a project called the prison journalism project, which is a great way to get to know the minds and the thoughts of people who are incarcerated. Um, and I've been trying to get an interview with them forever, but they keep saying no. Anyways, they're, <laughs> they're busy. Yeah, they're busy people, but you know what I mean? Um, so educate yourselves. There are a lot of podcasts out there. There are a lot of people who are working to educate people on this subject. And okay. education is the best way to advocate. Um, and second of all, you know, there are petitions, um, there are petitions out there, especially change.org. You can find tons and tons and tons of, of them on wrongful convictions, on uh, um, better facilities for, for incarcerated individuals, um, and just and tons of things like that. Uh, also, 
Um, there's a lot of documentaries out there uh, that that feature real life, um, real life people who have who have gone through that, and also just by talking to people, I think advocating is also communication, and I think educating yourselves on both sides. You don't want it to be biased. You want to hear the sides of people who are for it and people who are against it. And um, I think that, and I think that that is super important as well. I don't know if I answered your question there, but. Uh, yeah, no, no, you did. Yeah, great. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that really speaks true into what the purpose of this show is, is being willing to listen to others and, and really care about others and what we have what the assumption was going in and what we've continued to learn and prove is that when you can sit down and listen with listen to someone and be able to hear their perspective you truly gain so much more insight Absolutely. than making these quick snap judgments and often leads to just simple misunderstandings that blow way out of proportion mm -hmm. and there needs to be there needs to be that space to, to meet in the middle yes. and and have that have that conversation. So Absolutely. All right. Well well thank you, Levi, for being willing to, to come on and, and talk with us. Um, is there anything else you, you wanna add? Anything else you wanna shout out? Just locations people could find you. Yeah, so uh, I have like I said, I have music um, on Spotify and Apple Music and everything, uh, Levi Lamberjack. Mm -hmm. I'm the only Levi Lamberjack on planet Earth, so be pretty easy <laughs> to find me. I've been blessed with it. Okay. Uh, but uh, I, check out check out the podcast. Um, I have an Instagram. It's at Levi J Lamberjack. Uh, and you know, just keep keep learning. That's that's what I would say. Is is life is about learning and it's about uh, communicating with people who are like and not so much like you um absolutely yeah and i i have a i have an email actually that that uh i'd like to i like to get people to to send questions stuff to it's um levi lamberjack work w-o-r-k at gmail.com and uh that that way i love getting you know questions from people who want to talk about that sort of thing so we're gonna get the podcast started up soon look out for the album but yeah well thank you for yeah once again thank you for being on here um all of those links that levi mentioned um whether it's uh dates for shows that already are happened. yet to happen yeah. or, or may already <laughs> happen um Levi's creativity is out there. Um, his passion and love for the world is, is out there and it's very clear. And so I, I feel super honored to be able to sit down and, and talk with him. And uh, But yeah, so thank you guys for watching and listening, whatever you guys are at. Um, as you know, we're on pretty much any podcast platform. We're on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook. Find us, subscribe, like all the, all the fun things. Um, but yeah, so thanks guys for, for listening and uh, we'll catch you next time.